Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. For those of you who are new among us and haven't been around the last few weeks, we have been looking during this Advent season as we approach Christmas. Guys, we're looking beyond Christmas to eternity. Uh, and we're not just looking to get past the Christmas rush or to get into 2019, but we've recognized eternity is a long time. And there is so much that God has for us before it. And that is why Jesus came. And so during these last several weeks, last we've had two weeks, this is number three, next week will be number four of four. Uh, we've been looking at some of what the Bible teaches us about eternity and the here and now and the gap in between those. And so we looked at how sin entered the world and it just interrupted and fractured what God's intent had been for his creation to move on beautifully into eternity. And sin has separated people from our relationship with God, but it's also just messed up the whole creation in the world. And last Sunday, if you were here, you may remember I had this tent and this tent was set up on top because we were looking at Second Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. I said there were two purposes to the tent, two things the tent was symbolizing. And this is the moment where you're like, whew, I'm glad I wasn't here last week because it's not on me to remember. And you're looking at the people next to you in the row thinking, I bet you were here last Sunday. Do you remember what the tent was about? Because that guy up front is about to ask, what was the tent about last week? (laughs) Okay, what was it? There were two things about the tent. Can anybody help me out? If I'm having trouble remembering, what was one or the other, the two things that the tent was representing? I heard a voice. Who's earthly dwelling? You, you are so, so right. It's like two in one. Anna says the tent represents earthly dwelling. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says this. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not made by human hands. And he uses the imagery of the tent to talk about our body, our own earthly dwelling place. And we said as a result that this life is like what kind of trip? It's a camping trip. And the other imagery of the tent really is the very same thing. It's earthly dwelling but it's that God himself came and pitched his tent among us. It's what John chapter 1 verse 14 says about Jesus. That Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. And he made his dwelling here. The word became flesh. And the, the Greek word there is to tabernacle among us. He pitched his tent among us. And so for a season, God himself dwelled in the flesh, just like you and I have facing the kinds of challenges and limitations and hardships and difficulties of life on this camping trip in this tent. We also saw last week that God has made us for a purpose that goes beyond living in a tent, that goes beyond this camping trip that we're on on this planet. He says that God's made us for this very purpose, that through faith in Jesus Christ, we would live together with him forever. And so the question that we're turning our attention to today is how do we live now in light of eternity? 
how, how do we live our lives now, both facing the challenges of this life and enjoying the blessings of this life while living it in light of eternity? How do we live life in this tent while looking forward to an eternal house in heaven, a building from God that's not made by human hands? So let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Lord, we admit it's funny how our perspective on life can change and go up and down depending on whether it seems like a good day, a bad day, a hard year, a good decade. Lord, we we acknowledge that you've got times and seasons in our lives. Some of them are great fun for us and some of them are hard. But Lord, together this morning, we lift our eyes to the wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we're asking that by your Holy Spirit, you'd help us today, God, to live beyond today, to live beyond this year. Lord, that your presence and your promise would be so real to us today and that our longing for heaven, God, would overshadow even all the temptations that earth offers while we can still enjoy all the blessings that you give to your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's a vital question for us, meaning how do we live now in light of eternity? Because if you and I are not proactive in asking that question and aiming for God's answers in it, our culture is going to answer it for us. And our culture will be telling us that what we really need to be planning for is the later season of this life, not what comes beyond the end of this life. And and our culture will take good things that are from God and make them the whole thing. And the truth is, God's blessings are to be enjoyed. They're an expression of his wonderful love to us, but they're not the whole story. Because eternity is a long time. And to live life just for this life, even if it seems to have been a really good life, which is in some ways what gets celebrated at funerals a lot, is the good life that somebody lived. It's missing the overarching point of this life, which is to live it together with the Lord and to go on to keep living that life with the Lord forever. And so I want to read to us 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. We're going to have it on the screen for not just your viewing enjoyment, but hopefully to help it sink deep. And so if you have a physical Bible and you want to open up to these verses, we're going to work our way through it. And, and it goes like this. There's, so we had verses one through five. Do I, do I have verses one through five up here? Let's just, no, I don't. Okay. Um, good homework. If you weren't here last week, go ahead and look at that. We probably have a few of the sermon handouts from last Sunday. If you want to pick that up, uh, or it's available on the podcast as well. Uh, the handout for you this Sunday, the printed handout did not print. We've got a printer problem. So I apologize for that. And we'll seek to get that corrected this coming week. Um, But Paul said this um, in verses 6 through 10. In verse 6, he starts out by saying, therefore. I want to give you a heads up that a couple verses later, he's going to say, so. And those are key words to direct our attention to things that he thinks are directly following from the spiritual realities that we've described right here, that the earthly dwelling that we live in is temporary. 
and that God's purpose for us is eternity. Verse six, Paul says, therefore, we are always confident. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel that confident about life and things are going. There's things I worry about. There's challenges I face. But there's something Paul's getting at here that I think you and I are going to benefit from looking a little more closely at. He says, therefore, we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. It makes a certain amount of sense, right? When you, when you go camping, you're not at your house anymore, are you? I mean, sometimes we let the kids camp out in the backyard. It's something that's convenient if there's a thunderstorm, they can come right back in. But Paul's point is when we're at home in the body, we're away from our eternal home in heaven. And he continues, and his conclusion for that verse 7 is, we live by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, he repeats, he says, we are confident, I say, and we'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. If your tent is nicer than your house, please feel free to talk to me and we'll see what the church can do to help you uh, with your living situation, right? Um, but there's all kinds of things that our houses have that tents don't have. Is that true for you? Yes? I know glamping is becoming a thing. And, you know, and if you go to some luxury camping resort thing, that, that's okay, but that's not a normal tent, okay? That's a hotel room with, you know, canvas, you know, draped over the top of it. But he says, we are confident, I say, and we'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That's his therefore. Verse 10, sorry, verse 9, he says, so, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to present to us two things that Paul is giving us consequences, conclusions of the spiritual reality that he described in verses 1 through 5, which is that we're currently living, our earthly tent, this body, is a temporary existence. It's a tent compared to an eternal house in heaven. He says, first of all, therefore, and then the other one is so. And the therefore is a new condition for us in Christ. And the so, the second one, is a new ambition for us. Paul's presenting these couple verses, these sentences, a condition for the way we live and an ambition for how we live. Does that make sense? And the first one, this condition, he says, we're always confident. Therefore, we are always confident. There's something that's happened for him. Oh, and the second one, just so you know where I'm going. The first one is, see, uh, the condition is security. Confidence in the Lord, not in what we see and not in the way our life is currently going. He says, therefore, we're always confident. We're going to talk about that a little more. The second part is is the so. It's our ambition. It's, okay then, what do I want to be trying to do? He says, so we make it our goal to please him. Pleasing him becomes my goal. My confidence in this life is in him and my goals in this life are for him. 
Therefore, we're always confident and we make it our goal to please him. And again, we'll take some time to talk about the second one, but to tell you just in a nutshell, so if you have to get up and leave with the baby or do other things, you already get the main point here. We're not living to please ourselves. We're not living for the sake of our children. We're not even living for others. We make it our goal to please who? The Lord, who is our life. And so uh, let's take a look at confidence here. Um, next slide. Or maybe it's an earlier slide. Yeah, uh, this is right. Good. So when we say we're always confident, what does Paul say the basis of our confidence is? He says we live by faith, not by sight. Something about where the security of our lives come from can't be the, the screen ticker on the bottom of the television saying how the stock market is is doing and the size of our retirement account. Our faith not our sight, is where our confidence comes from. And so when he says that we're confident, he's talking about something that's managed to work its way down into our hearts in a deeper way. And guys, I want I want you to realize this takes some work. It, it takes some retooling of how we think, what we index our, our perspectives on, how our functional worldview plays out. Because it's so easy for us to separate Jesus and the things of faith into just a part of our lives instead of it saturating everything we do and how we live. And so dig a little deeper with me here. Um, some folks would say that you can never be really sure whether you're going to make it to heaven or not. Uh, in fact, that can actually be, be pretty good business for religion. Because you can use that insecurity and that uncertainty to get a whole lot of things out of people in their hopes of making it more secure. But by keeping a bit of that insecurity in place in religion, it lets religious leaders have leverage on people. Uh, And that's not the way Paul leads as a Christian leader. Paul is instead actively trying to work to say no When you are in Christ, you should be living in this security about heaven, not in uncertainty, nervousness, or insecurity about it. Because we get to heaven not because we've done good, but because Jesus is enough. And and so Paul says we are always confident. And the first piece of that confidence is the promise of heaven is secure. We, we saw in the first week of this series, feel free to go back to the podcast and find it, that Jesus specifically in John chapter 3 goes back to the book of Numbers to use the imagery of an incident in Israel's history to say that God will save us by faith when we look to Jesus who was lifted up on the cross and died and rose again. Not because of the results, not even the fruit that Brooke is praying to be evident in little Oliver's life as he grows it's our faith in looking to Jesus that brings the salvation of God into our lives and, and if you will, uh, secures for us the eternal home in heaven, the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. And the second part of Paul's confidence here that he talks about, he says we're always confident. He says it, that, it, and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. There's a confidence in his life right now that comes from understanding that as long as I'm living in this tent of the body, 
Yeah, it's not the same as being at home with the Lord in my eternal house in heaven. And so it affects Paul's expectations. He says we're always confident. And we know that we're living in the tent, not in the eternal house in heaven, a building from God not made by human hands. And so I'm not surprised or troubled when life is hard. He says that the difficulties and challenges of life do not cause me to call into question whether there is an eternal house in heaven for me. I know it's just part of what it's like to be at home in the body and away from the Lord. Is that making sense? I, I, I do hope it does. Because life sometimes surprises us by how hard it is. Because it can be going great and then feel like suddenly something's happened. But you know, sometimes that's how the rainstorm hits the camping trip. I mean, you can set up the tent and it's beautiful and sunny. And at three o'clock in the morning... Like, what just happened? We're in a puddle. My air mattress is floating along. And how many of you know rain is part of our lives on this camping trip? Is that true? Tom Peterson, our resident Eagle Scout here at Mercy Hill, came up to me after last week's message. And he said, you know, it's not a real camping trip unless it rains. (laughs) I'm like, okay, Tom, you're hardcore. I get that. Um, but there's a sense of that in this life that we live, where Paul says that we're at home in the body. And we know that that means that, in a sense, we are away from our eternal home in heaven. We're away from the Lord in that sense. So please know this. When hard things happen in your life, when sickness comes, when trouble happens, when a loved one dies, when your marriage hits a rough spot, it does not mean that God doesn't love you. It does not mean that God is punishing you. It does not mean that you're not really God's child in Christ. Paul himself, in the context he's writing this, if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where which I mentioned in the first uh, half of this message last week, Paul talks about some of the struggles that he is facing right at the time that he's writing this letter. Paul is well acquainted with life being hard. He was going through some serious suffering. And that's part of our confidence that the trouble of this life is not a threat to our eternal house in heaven. The tent may get wet. The tent may get torn. The tent may wear out. But the day is coming when the tent will also be finished and no longer be the place where we're living. And our eternal house in heaven It's not just out there. As Brooke told us this morning, Jesus is actively preparing a place for us there. And so we're confident. Our confidence is by faith, not by sight. And it means that even though we don't yet see Jesus face to face, we're assured that what we do not see, meaning heaven, the Lord himself, his presence, it's of greater value and importance than the earthly things that we can see that we want. And I told you last week, uh, say it again, that sometimes where there's that hole in just feeling of emptiness, it's like, ah, it's not quite there. The thing that we need is the Lord, not what the Black Friday sale says. Uh, it's, it's not a new experience that we can find here in the world. It's not a trip. It's not a vacation. It's that part of your soul that's longing for 
what God's made us for, for eternity. And so this confidence that Paul talks about here is we know that even though we're away from our eternal house in heaven, what Paul calls away from the Lord, that he hasn't abandoned us, he hasn't left us, he sent us Holy Spirit. That's what we saw in verse 5. He's given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So even though we can't see him with our eyes, we have a confidence that's by faith. And that confidence frees us from fear, being vulnerable to fear in life or in death. And so Paul uses this phrase, and he says that Paul's confidence that the death for Paul here, it's just our chance to be home with the Lord. I hope we can see this, that whether Paul is talking about life in the tent of this body or life in our eternal house in heaven, in both cases, he uses this phrase, that we're at home. When you and I put our faith in Jesus, we've come home. Whether we're still living in a leaky tent and facing the challenges and difficulties of this life, or whether we've come to the point where every tear has been wiped away from our eyes and we're beholding Jesus face to face. Paul says, welcome home. He says, we're at home. Because the Spirit of God brings this part of heaven into our lives during the camping trip. Because do you know what makes heaven heavenly? It's being with him. It's the Lord himself that makes heaven heaven. And so heaven here, what Paul is longing for and describing is a fully realized relationship with the one who's made us, who died for us, who rose again, and who's going to share eternity with us. And the fully realized relationship is heavenly. This is love fully realized. This is joy uninhibited and unimpeded to know him face to face just as we are fully known. And so in Christ, we're at home, whether we're at home in the body and away from the Lord or whether we're away from the body and at home with the Lord. It's about Jesus. And and we, ha- we have a privilege this morning. By This is where I'm inviting you forward. So here it comes. Um, we've got a privilege this morning of having with us Vi Pals. That's Oliver's great-grandmother. And, and Vi has been an example to me for, it's been 27 and a half years since my wife and I moved up from St. Louis into the Chicago area to Living Word Church. And and Vi continues to host our pastor, LifeLink Chicago Pastor's Breakfast for us every week or two. Uh, we're in her home. And in addition to that hosting, I've had the privilege of watching Vi live a life that is at home in the body, and yet so conscious of our eternal house in heaven. And for me, prayer is a habit. For Vi, it's a life and a lifestyle. And and over the course of these this quarter century or so of having the privilege of Vi's example and relationship and Karen's in my life, um, we've watched her through ups and downs and hard times and good times. And we have the privilege of seeing the fruit of a life that's being lived, just loving Jesus, hoping in Jesus, relying in Jesus actively. Paul's description here said, so we make it our goal to please him, that over the years, 
what does a life live like that end up looking like? Well, it's going to be different for different ones of us in different ways. Uh, but Vi's life is one example of that. And I asked Vi to share a few things with us this morning, and after some struggle, she graciously agreed. And so... And so John asked me how I enjoy the presence of Jesus in this life and how I anticipate the presence of him in heaven. And um, I just want to say that his presence is everything to me. It really is. Um, the peace and the joy that I have and always have had from Jesus within me is unshakable, um, no matter what the surroundings are, um, even though you can be sad or disappointed or worried, there's still a, a peace that only can come through Jesus, or else you wouldn't have it. And then the joy is from the Holy Spirit that I've asked to come in me. And when hard times come, the Lord says, just give your burdens to him, and, and he will take them. And he does. He does. So you can live in this abundant life. So then I was thinking of the um, uh, peace, the uh, presence of Jesus in life to come in heaven. And, of course, I'm anxious to see him face to face, and I'm excited about the new heaven and the new earth, and um, I'm excited about praising with all the saints. And still there was, there was something in me that was still torn between heaven and this earth, and I didn't like that. I, I, I'm, I'm anxious, and still I was not thinking I quite had that down. So until Friday, I got in my car, and I was going to go get my hair done. And I prayed. I was thinking on these things, and I prayed, Lord, why doesn't you said in your word that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? And I said, why can't I just say what's on my heart instead of always thinking I'm going to forget what I'm going to say and I feel like I can't speak because I I do lose my train of thought. So I prayed that, and all of a sudden, he started flooding my mind with the song, um, I can't think of it right now, uh, (laughs) oh, you're all I need. You're all I need, you're all I need. Jesus, you're all I need. You satisfy my needs supply. Jesus, you're all I need. It kept running through my mind immediately, so I started singing it. And as I was singing it, the presence of the Lord filled the car, and I thought, this is what's in my heart. He's all I need. He supplies all my needs, and it's coming out of my mouth. I just felt it was a direct answer to what I asked him. So I go in, get my hair done, chit-chat with my niece, and I come out, and as I'm opening the door of the salon, another wave came over me, and it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And uh, I got to my car, and then uh, it, it just kept coming, and and then it was, um, and Lord haste the day when my faith shall be sight, and the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll, and the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall ascend. It is well, it is well with my soul. And as I started singing that, I started crying. I cried all the way home. And it was the Lord just giving me such an anticipation of his return that I had not had before. When I was thinking on that, he answered it. So I just uh, 
Friday was a good day. That's all I could say. It was a good day for me. And uh, I just, um, I think that's it. But he, he met me. So I, I just want to say, too, if you have not, it's because you ask not. And if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That is so good. Thank you, Vi. Thank you so much. The, you know, you hear that. And I want us to recognize the Lord is nearer than we realize when we turn to him. We just start to reach out to relate to him. Because the distance that can seem far to us is nothing to him. And verse 5 says, he's given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Where Paul says, therefore, we're always confident. So we make it our goal to please him. I want to leave you with this final thought. Uh, got to be careful with that. We sometimes talk about preachers who like have like three finals and three ending. But but seriously, one one clear final thought here. There's on the handout, there's a whole backside about some of the practical ways that we live to please God. But watch this. Don't confuse confidence with complacency. Therefore, we're always confident. So we make it our goal to please him. Confidence is relying on the Lord despite life's troubles. It's knowing that we can turn to him and actually turning to him. It's drawing near and asking God. See, Lord, in my head, I think it should be this way. In my heart, it's not quite there. Would you come near to me, meet me, and actually draw near to the Lord? He'll draw near to us. It's facing with faith the challenges of life because we're conscious of the Lord and confident in him. Complacency looks like things like just not being concerned about eternity and only thinking about this life. It's complacency acts as though we're, yeah, we're following Jesus, but really feeling like this life doesn't impact eternity much when Paul says the opposite in verse 10. And complacency treats heaven like it's just out there somewhere instead of seeing it as being with Jesus and wanting more and more of that in our lives here and now. So I think instead of running through some of my other details and thoughts about some specific ways that Paul in other places talks about things we do that please the Lord, hear this. It's in our everyday lives, not in special extravagant things like going on a mission trip somewhere, that we live for heaven here and now. It's in our day-to-day, everyday choices. Things like getting in the car to go to the hair salon, get hair done, and turning to the Lord, those places. Being sensitive to the Lord as we're coming out and going to the car and having the Lord in the center. It says, therefore, we're always confident because the way we want to live is with the Lord here and with the Lord forever. And when we live like that, it blurs the difference between life in the tent and life in our heavenly home because it's one life that we're living with Jesus. And so the musicians would come. And and Brian, we're going to go ahead and share communion here. I'll hand that to you in a second. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Lord, this morning we recognize that Jesus did this, this very thing that we're talking about, having come from heaven to live in an earthly tent. Lord, you yourself, you experienced what it's like to live in this body 
knowing that your eternal home is in heaven. So, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us, for coming, for living in full obedience to the Father, for being our substitute in death when you offered your own life as an atoning sacrifice on the cross. And, Lord, we glorify and bless you that you are risen and exalted today on your throne, even to return as all your enemies are made a footstool for your feet. So, Lord, we're asking, God, that you'd help us today to live in the confidence and passion that Paul describes, not because we're imitating him, but because you're real. Lord, because these things do matter for us, God. So forgive us for the ways that our our eyes are just so focused on such short-term things, like even retirement and the end of this life and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Lord, we lift our eyes. We look to you. We thank you, Jesus, that you're preparing an eternal house in heaven for us through your own hands. In your precious name, amen.